How do you do? The Box Office Pulp Board feels it would be a little unkind to present this podcast without just a word of friendly warning. We're about to unfold a cinematic commentary track, made by a group of men who sought to create a podcast after their own ravings, without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with three great mysteries of the internet, analysis, observation, and deconstruction. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel you'd not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now's your chance to... Well, we've warned you. Now, to pause and refresh. For your convenience, we have an attractive refreshment stand in the lobby, with buttered popcorn, golden good and hot from the popper, your favorite candies, wholesome and rich, plus delicious Dr. Pepper, so bright and bracing with a tang and tingle unmatched by any other beverage. Enjoy an ice-cold Dr. Pepper at our beverage stand right now, and then return to fully appreciate this bop and a movie commentary track. Enjoy. Here are your Scooby Snacks. Jinkies. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Box Office Pulp, your one-stop podcast for movies, Madness, Moxie, and tonight... One last Halloween treat as we cover the latest direct-to-video Scooby-Doo film, Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo. I'm now just realizing I'm about to throw to ad copy about manscaping after introducing a child's film, which is maybe not the best look. This is, th- let's face it, this is, Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo is an adult swim film from around 2004. I mean, <laughs> as an adult, I enjoyed it. I feel like adults can get a, a, a kick out of this thing just fine. I agree. We have, like, an explicit tag on the show, don't we? Fuck. Fuck. There we go. That's two. That puts us in. The children should be gone now. Uh, the adults in the room. We're going to talk about Manscaped. I mean, considering that-, that this is the Scooby-Doo movie that gives us our first queer relationship in the series, I think the subject of personal grooming is more relevant now than ever. And you know who shaves her pubes? Velma. <laughs> you know, if this doesn't sell... If this doesn't sell razors, nothing will. Actually, it wasn't quite razors. We got a, a nose trimmer. We got a manscaper razor, uh, like electric razor. Uh, some very, very soft underpants to try out, along with uh, some ball deodorant. So we got a whole mishmash of different things. And oils. Oils. Fine, fine oils. I haven't actually tried the oils yet. What's what's the word on the oils, Mike? Have you oiled up? I am liking the oils. I'm, is this weird? I mean, I figured we'd at least talk about the movie briefly and the fact we were doing commentary for it. But no, we want to just do the out. ad read now. It is exciting news. I mean, we have a sponsor now. Box Office Pulp has a sponsor. This is the first time I've had to do sponsorship. I didn't know how it worked. I thought we just had to spend like 40 minutes talking about Manscaped. And then when people got sick of us talking about testicles, it'd be like, cool, can we listen to Scooby-Doo now? I was hoping I could easily talk like- about testicles for that long. I, I was hoping it would be we like an old radio broadcast where we just occasionally interrupt the commentary on the movie to to, to pitch various products to the masses. Oh, that'd be fun. Someone could do like Foley sound effects. Like, Anyways, back to our ad copy. Here comes a horse. Cluck, 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 cluck. 
Quick, get some sandpaper so we can foley in the sound of scratching balls. I think there's a reason we don't have sponsorship. I'm, I'm starting to see it. But in all seriousness, we, we have a sponsor and it's it's cool. It's cool stuff. We, we, we are now sponsored. Box Office Pulp is sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Promo code Box Office Pulp at checkout, folks. That gives you 20% off. Free shipping. Get yourself, uh, I, I know what we got. We got the Performance Package 4.0. And that you'll get your, what is called the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Crop Reviver Toner. Performance Boxer Briefs. And a travel bag. I would like to take a moment to speak about the briefs. Oh, please do. The real MVP Will you be, will you be brief about the briefs? Our sponsorship has once again been revoked. <laughs> I have never... Okay, I'm actually... This, this is even from viewing an ad read. I, this is actually totally legitimate. I've been wanting to try their boxers for a while. And now I have them. And it lived up to the dream of what they would be. They are some... Comfortable goddamn underwear. I the silkiness against everything down there is 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 unmatched. This is no joke. If I didn't like these products, I would just remain creepily, obviously silent throughout the entire ad, breathing heavily. But no, Mike and I have spent a lot of time talking about these underpants in the past two weeks. It's reached the point where I keep washing them early so that I can put them back on like two days later. They're just the only underpants I want now. They, I, I'm actually probably going to get some more, and they may be my go-to Christmas present this year. You're giving underwear for Christmas? Cody, the support. Sure. <laughs> Mike, you've turned into an old man. Yeah, welcome to me at, like, age 12. <laughs> you were given socks from, like, the age of five, weren't you? Look, I like to give useful gifts. I like getting socks. I have a lot of comments to make, but we have, we have a, a, a sponsorship to finish off here. Let's keep going. Like novelty socks. Anyway, but you know what's not getting you socks for Christmas? Manscaped.com. Promo code box office pulp at checkout for 20% off free shipping. Get yourself either a trimmer, underwear. They got t-shirts. They got travel bags. They have the full packages you can, you can purchase, which is a nice, like if it, if you're getting as a gift, just a whole like gift set right there. Um, already a steal for the kind of quality you get. Uh, I really like just how futuristic the trimmer is. Like, I know, I, I love, right? I love the wireless charging stand that it has and shit. It's just fantastic. <laughs> also, the bag is just automatically the nicest thing I own just because of how high quality the material is. And it says Manscaped on the side. That's just hilarious to me. It's better I'm quality afraid. than any purse I own. Um, okay, please make that your purse. <laughs> That would be incredible. That's a conversation piece. Just slapping that down like the checkout oh counter oh at the grocery store. Completely unrelated to even that being the name of a product. Could you imagine like just being a trans person, putting down your purse and it says manscaped? It's like, oh, yes, I have been created with you with science. <laughs> Is it possible to for you to have been offensive towards yourself? Because <laughs> I think you got dangerously close there. All that aside, before we get back to the commentary, 
Remember, the code is BOXOFFICEPULP at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. We want to thank Manscaped.com for sponsoring us. And now for the part of the show where I actually introduce who we are, which probably, Mike is right, should have come before the ad, but too late. We're moving on. I'm your host, Cody. Joining me for this bop in a movie are my co-host, Mike. Say hello again, Mike. Who am I? Nobody knows. And Jamie. Say hello, Jamie. Uh, little do people know, this movie also contains uh, my first uh, lesbian girlfriend, but it's actually one of the ghosts. It's a, it was a little awkward. Was it the 10,000 volt ghost? I never kiss and tell. Buzz, buzz. All right, folks. Uh, to repeat, it's been a while. I, I think we might have even forgotten the title of the movie. Tonight, we're watching Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo. You can find this on HBO Max. Uh, I believe it is also available on DVD. So if you want to go out and run and buy a copy, that's an option. You can go out to like Walmart right now and get that done. Otherwise, HBO Max is your way to go. Ad-free, baby. The official drink we're going to be having tonight before we start the commentary is the Ghostini. So you're going to need four ingredients. One, you're going to need an ounce and a half of vanilla vodka. You're going to need one ounce of white chocolate liqueur. If you can't find white chocolate liqueur, you're perfectly fine just using like a clear creme de cocoa. Uh, and then you're going to need one ounce of cream. Or if you don't have that, like a half and half or a milk, whatever, whatever you got, just throw some dairy in there. And then lastly, for garnish, some whipped cream. I know, that sounds complex and intimidating. It's not. Super simple. To make this guy, all we're doing here, taking our vodka, our chocolate liqueur, our cream, throwing them into a shaker with ice. You shake that for about 30 seconds, straight into a chilled glass, and then, my favorite part, garnish with whipped cream. I mostly wanted the drink so I could have the whipped cream. Ah, delicious. Uh, anyways, you're going to end up with a kind of creamy, chocolatey, not super high ABV, uh, fun little Halloween drink. And it's it's mostly white, too, so there's your ghostini. It's it's on it's on brand. Yeah, it's not racist. It's just dead. Um, <laughs> totally, I have totally actually different. seen an image of this thing, and uh, it's art. It is art. Especially because especially Cody put like a little ghost figurine underneath it, so it's like the ghost is getting sloshed. That was the Playmobil Scooby-Doo ghost. Ah. It, it was, it, yeah, it was a hint for everyone who was watching my uh, Twitter account. Like, oh man, what's this guy up to? It's Scooby-related, I can tell. Playmobil, huh? Yeah. I was waiting for more interrogation over that, but there's none. Good. <laughs> so we can move forward with our lives. <laughs> All right, folks, we are going to be counting this down in just a second here. So everyone, hopefully you have HBO Max up and you are ready to go. Mike, I'm ready, wanna, Cody. Mike, do you want to do the honors? All right. Let's get this started. This is too intimidating for Scooby-Doo. I was going with uh, a porn producer. I like really don't like porn producer. No, yeah, awful. that was inappropriate. Anyway. All right, Fred, I'm, I'm shameless. I'm going to count to three. <laughs> After I say three, we'll press play. One, two, three. Wham! All right, let's get some of these movie facts out of the way. This one's a little on the shorter facts. side. It's only an Two hour 17. Sometimes. Yeah. Our director here is Audie Harrison. Uh, Audie was a supervising director, producer, and writer for Uncle Grandpa, if anyone's seen that show. Uh, he's also an animator on The Ant Bully, several episodes of The Adventures of Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, Land of the Lost, and Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakquel. When was the last time any of you remembered The Ant Bully? Oh, that takes me back. It has 
been a while. Yeah, I mostly forgot about it until I saw it in the notes. Like, oh, wow. Uh, also, another shout out from Minnesota here. Audie hails from Eden Prairie. Hell yeah. Uh, our screenplay, also by Audie Harrison, uh, Laura Pollock, and Daniel McClellan. Uh, so Laura has writing credits on Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies, which is in post right now, a show I didn't know was going to happen until uh Neither research. did oh. I. What? All right, then. We're getting cool. a show called Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies. I have no idea what it's about. Uh, Daniel McClellan. Yeah, right. Uh, Daniel McClellan was an assistant uh, on Under the Dome, The Whispers, and uh, an assistant writer, I believe, on Netflix's reboot of Lost in Space. As for a cast, also, uh, hold on, we can't. We have to say mystery jams. Mystery jams. <laughs> uh, so our cast here, we got Frank Weller pulling double duty as Scooby Doo and Fred Jones, uh, Gray Delisle as Daphne Blake, Matthew Lillard as Shaggy Rogers, Kate Micucci as Velma Dinkley. And Myrna Valesco as Coco Diablo, a name that's so fun to say. <laughs> Before really we get, get too more far Coco away as the series it. goes on. Before we get too far away from it, can we just take a moment to talk about how hilarious it is seeing Grey Delisle drag Katy Perry for being considered <laughs> of all the places for that to come to? I kind of had to do a double check when that happened on Twitter. I'm like, wait, is is that? Daphne, like, fucking bringing out receipts? With Cree Summer being like, yeah, tell the truth. <laughs> I like that Katy Perry wronged the animation community at some point. I'd also like to state for the record, I'm pretty sure Greg, uh, Greg Delisle believes autism is uh, caused by vaccines. Mm, super. <laughs> oh, rich people. I would uh, like to state... Uh, the Catman of Catman Dune is the funniest joke that has ever existed. <laughs> you want more puns in your Scooby-Doo villains? I, I knew I was in good hands with this opening. Like, besides the fact I immediately went, fuck, this is an amazing art style. I, I love the animation. <laughs> no, <in right>? <laughs> it's it's it, fairly it, close to the Scooby, uh, Scooby-Doo and the Guess Who, which I like that they yeah. kind of went for that. It looks very clean. The animation is really nice. It doesn't look cheap. So it I, has I really like appreciate nice, the, the animation here. It, it has it's, an it's old animate, like old limited animation kind of feel to it, while also being very, like clearly very expensive and expressive uh, animation. The backgrounds are really nice too. Like these mountainscapes, like the digital paintings they have going on, they look great. And that, one of the things I think about mostly with Scooby Doo. Are the backgrounds. The old Scooby-Doo Where Are You episodes had some of the most amazing background art. So it's it's always a treat when the newer movies make an effort to replicate that and they don't cheap out. Anyways, a couple more Scoob facts here. Our music is by Ryan Shore. Shore has been composing film scores since 2000 with uh, music for Jack Brooks, Monster Slayer, Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever, Stan Helsing, R.L. Stein's Monsterville, uh, Cabinet of Souls, that's one long title, Star Wars, Forces of Destiny, and Star Wars Galaxy Adventures, plus he provided additional music for In the Heights, so Big League Chew right there. Uh, he's also scored two other Scooby films, Scooby-Doo and WWE Curse of the Speed Demon, and Scooby-Doo WrestleMania Mystery. I am distracted because we're now showing clips of classic <laughs> Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Which I love that they made the choice of being like, no, we're actually going to reuse the old footage. 
So you get the the fun security camera blend of old and new art styles. This yeah, is, this I, is I very like mystery incorporated adjacent kind very of project. Yeah, I, I love. How, I also just love how, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series, every single Scooby thing is built on the central premise of being a sequel to Scooby Doo. Where are you? That's <laughs> yeah, that is canon among all versions. We just want this one. Uh, so our editing here is by John Soares. Soares' work has been uh, seen in episodes of Jellystone, Veggie Tales, and the 2019 version of Looney Tunes. Which, when I saw that, it was like a Rosetta Stone for the movie to me. Because just watching this film, you realize, like, oh, wow, this would fit right in with one yeah. of the, like, 2019 episodes of Looney Tunes. Like, it's got the God. same energy, the comedy really fits in the same way. And Jellystone. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that Looney Tunes show, like, as maligned as it was uh, at the time, I'm glad a lot of people have really warmed up to that over the years. Because, God, that that was such a unique show. It's probably the best thing done with the Looney Tunes since, I don't know, the 70s. Hey, hey the fun. Looney Tunes show that was on Cartoon Network for a while, it was a sitcom, was gold. <laughs> Bugs we and Daffy being oh, roommates was incredible. Oh, I actually thought that's what you were referring to there. Oh, you were talking about the uh, newer uh, Louis, Louis Tunes stuff. Yeah, the HBO Max one. Ah. Yeah. Oh, oh, God, look oh, at this man. Trevor, my favorite Venture Brothers character. <laughs> <laughs> um, last, last goof fact. This was released October 4th, 2022, digitally. We get, we're pretty lucky. We get about two direct-to-video Scooby-Doo movies per year. As a Scooby-Doo fan, it's been good times. <laughs> Wonderful. I love Coco Diablo actually has an alligator pit in her evil secret lair. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's amazing that we're getting so many Scooby-Doo movies, and as of recently, they've actually been pretty good. I mean, last year's yeah. Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo is, like, the third best Scooby-Doo movie, maybe? There's been a jump in quality. I think they kind of go in ebb and flows as different creative teams come in, and there's more or less money kind of assigned to the properties. And and for a while, too, they would kind of push them into doing team-ups with different groups. Not to say it's necessarily bad, but it doesn't feel very Scooby when all of a sudden it's like, hey, we've got to have a WWE mystery. Scoot's yeah. got to hang out with The Undertaker and also drive a race car. <laughs> yeah, leave that for the Jetsons. I mean, it not like again. It's not necessarily bad, but it feels a little forced when all of a sudden they have to have adventures with Kiss. This is, I mean, it's historical Scoob too, right? We've always had Scooby Doo teaming up with celebrities, but it, it feels a little weird when it's an extended, like, hour and a half long movie. It, well, the, the thing is, the team ups with celebrities from back in the day were the celebrities, like in the plot of Scooby Doo. The celebrities are are the plot of those movies, and that's why they feel kind of, eh. And disingenuous. It's like it's like the difference between uh, celebrity uh, guest stars on The Simpsons from back in the day versus now. It's probably or the plot is look at our special guest star, (laughs) Lady Gaga. What are you doing in Springfield? (laughs) Yeah, I have to say, I I think I love everything about Coco Diablo as a character. (laughs) Because <laughs> we're, we're basically having her take in the Blowfield role from James Bond, right? Like she has a black cat <laughs> and a secret lair that's all spooky, evil plans. Uh, she's being retconned into Scooby-Doo's history. And yet, 
they make this a character that we're not annoyed we have to watch. Like, yeah, no offense to Spectre, but anytime they kind of retcon James Bond in the newer films and tried to add more to his history, it felt bad. This is just fun. I also love how much character is given to Coco just through her body language with them taking advantage of how mind-bogglingly fluid this animation is. <laughs> this is... Uh, <laughs> She's she. Everyone else is animated from the '60s. She's animated from like a Disney film. I was gonna say she looks like one of the characters from Atlantis. Yeah. Oh God, you're right. Oh, the I old love how shaggy. Shag. Like they like they left it to Shaggy and Scooby to be like the serious actors. Well, the two of them in a coat makes the most amount of sense. Yeah, Shaggy gets his own almost got him moment. Like the For- rock at him. <laughs> Same, Velma. <laughs> Jinkies. One of the things hey. here that's fun is we've been having Scooby-Doo since the 1960s. And it'd be really easy to just regurgitate the same Scooby-Doo plots over and over again. I mean, most of the episodes of Scooby-Doo are kind of boilerplate, right? They They have a format. And yet, they, they took this one that is sort of meta-commentary on most of the other Scooby-Doo's, but still took the time to add some new characters in Coco, and character development? Like, just officially going with Alma being queer, that's new to the series, that's a step forward. So I appreciate that all this time in Scooby-Doo, they decided that, that the property shouldn't be totally stagnant, they actually want to try some new things while looking at the past. Yeah. Plus, it's actually funny, so it's it's great. It's got everything. <laughs> the thing that really like struck me was just it was so different tonally. Like it's just so kind of bizarre in its own thing, in like a really good way. And I, I love being able to get like. There's been a lot of meta Scooby Doo stuff, and there's been even silly oh, yeah. Scooby Doo stuff, but this has such a unique feeling to it, without talking down about its own source material. A lot of legacy sequels, in my mind, exist, and they, they're self-hating. They kind of go, yeah, there's no reason for us to be around because the original's so good, but here we are. And it sets the absolute worst mood, in my mind, for a new movie. This one doesn't seem to be hemming and hawing about, like, oh, the original's so good, we can never compete with it. It's basically like, eh, we're doing a new thing. We like the original, too. Okay. Also, uh, segue into this wonderful, wonderful downbeat <laughs> song. <laughs> I want this on my iPod. I <laughs> this little ukulele cover of Scooby Doo, where are you? But just made sad. I I know it's like a joke we would make. I also am <laughs> just a really big fan of their knockoff Sisters of Mercy music. Later, oh yeah, it's so well done for a split second. I thought it was Sisters of Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> like, how did they afford this? Also, the fun development of, like, what would happen if Scooby-Doo actually took care of all of their monsters? They've done this a couple times, right? Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, that was, like, the inciting incident. They got bored of chasing monsters, so they kind of gave up for a year, and then got more bored. This for some reason, I think it still the, works. The, this is also, I think, the first th- Scooby-Doo thing I've ever seen. I love the weird, like, Nickelodeon <laughs> animation that pops in. The face on Fred is just like, eh! It gets very run and snippy sometimes, and I, I am here for it. Um, I love how this is the, really the only Scooby-Doo thing. It never occurred to me 
Wait a minute, they just solved mysteries. It is weird they are they're always monster focused mysteries. <laughs> they're not Instead even going just... for monsters, it just happens to them, it seems like. <laughs> like Yeah, Nick, Nick, Mystery Inc. is not proactive at all. They don't even technically leave Coolsville all that often. They're just like driving around the surrounding area and it turns out the airfield has a zombie robot. <laughs> Although this one's a little zombie different than Catman do for for the start of the movie. So one thing I want to comment on here that I really appreciate too about the plot. We're going to get pretty much every character's B-plot motivation established within 15 minutes of this movie. So we get like an hour for it to all play out, <laughs> which is great. Like it's very economic. Uh, so we have already had the main plot line essentially established. We'll get into the mystery of it in a little bit here. We're not quite there. But here we've already seen Fred's motivation. He's bored as hell and he doesn't have any motivation now that uh, monsters are gone. This this also Daphne. establishes um, that this takes place in 2001 um, on the eve of 9-11. <laughs> it could just be an old um, calendar. Like, out of deference, they just never changed it. But <laughs> besides that, for the other character motivations, because this is impressive, too. If, like, pretty much everyone has something they're working on throughout the movie. I don't think they're necessarily original beats, but they're done well. And they give everyone some sort of locomotion to get through the film. Uh, such as Daphne feels like she doesn't have a role on the team because everyone else has defined roles, which has been her criticism, her character's criticism, I think, since the show started. Uh, and for the last few shows, they've really gone out of their way to give her more personality and more action beats, so it feels like she's more of a member of the team. But we've got the, that here. Uh, Shaggy and the, Scooby, we find out, just really want candy. And, oh, man, <laughs> Halloween is going to be ruined for them if they don't solve this mystery. So there's like a ticking clock kind of action to the whole thing. And Velma suddenly has a crush. So now she's got a motivation outside of the mystery. I also love that the movie is low-key ACAP. <laughs> a lot of Scooby-Doo media is low-key ACAP. Mystery Incorporated in particular. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, this one's like, this has been stealing millions of dollars. Uh, we don't really arrest people for that, and they just leave them behind. <laughs> like, you promise you won't do it anymore, right? Humdrum Financial Group is a great <laughs> joke. <laughs> going back to the Daphne thing, what um, what I think was cool about that is, I mean, it's, yes, it's the most, it is the, yeah, we've seen Daphne, like, have the storyline, like, constantly. But this is the first time where they revealed, like, oh, Daphne, you've always been the leader. It does make you stop and go, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's almost yeah. anticlimactic, but the, the the resolution makes so much sense. You go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that tracks through all of Scooby Media. <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone focuses on Fred because he's driving the van. But also, that's just his job. He drives the van. He's the trap guy. He's the figurehead. Yeah. <laughs> it is great that this is... Uh, how much mystery incorporated Fred is just Fred now in media. <laughs> Even I mean, Daphne he... too, to an extent. I mean, uh, oh yeah, mystery, mystery Inc. Weirdly rehabilitated Daphne's image, whereas yeah. like the Sarah Michelle Geller Daphne kind of became that character in everyone's head, even in the cartoons to an extent. Scooby, what's new? Scooby Doo is totally Sarah Michelle Geller Daphne. Yeah, I, I would say all the characters have really evolved quite a bit from Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? 
Like everyone loves and remembers that show, but you go back and watch and you kind of go, oh yeah, these are mostly stock characters. Like they don't have a ton they're really doing. Shaggy's mostly like kind of a, a beatnik coward. At least now, like with Matthew Lillard, he gets to be a little bit more wacky. <laughs> also, this stupid bit gets me every goddamn time. <laughs> Shay is this, this doorbell the right, right here? <laughs> the obliviousness of them just sticking all their body parts into this trap and not being upset about it. <laughs> like, it just feels like a fever dream. Like, even for Scooby-Doo, this feels like they're just having some sort of horrible nightmare. <laughs> Also, I find it very funny that they decided the Scooby-Doo costumes for this should be Shaggy as Scooby and Scooby as Shaggy. And it's their yeah. dream, so that's their dream scenario. Yep. <laughs> the bongos, by the way. Buddy, where one? Shaggy sleeps in Scooby's beds. <laughs> they the have diagram of for the, the ultimate hamburger. <laughs> Half of this, this movie is just we got, we got like, watching in silence, giggling at all these jokes. It's so very good. well made. <laughs> but also funny to me, uh, just talking about theme and variation. Last year was what the first time we really got a Scooby Doo Halloween movie, which seems yeah. insane considering it's Scooby Doo, it's guys in monster costumes. And then they followed up the next year with another Scooby Doo Halloween movie, <laughs> and yet it doesn't feel like ah, we're doing the same crap. They could get away with that. It's kids programming. They really could just kind of reuse that plot. Yeah, this is completely different that from last year's. Which is amazing. In every way. Yeah, after watching uh, Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo, I, I remember I just kept thinking, God, uh, Maxwell Adams just needs to be in charge of Scooby-Doo now. Like, if they're getting anyone but him to do any more of the movies, it's all going to go down the toilet. But this is honestly better. Like, I... Uh, it's amazing how, like you said, it's a very similar, it's similar in how it's taking the material seriously, while also like doing the kind of jokes that you have to do with Scooby-Doo at this point. But uh, like you said earlier, Mike, it's a very uh, almost adult swim type humor, but in a way that's still very reverential to the source material in the way that, you know, something like Harvey Birdman would never be. Like, I didn't know there were so many different ways to do semi-adult comedy Scooby-Doo. Hmm. Well, that's one thing I was thinking about earlier. Again, we've had Scooby-Doo for decades now, so it's just a <laughs> legacy property. Wishing well. And then Fred's on, like, a first-name basis. Hey, wishing well, how you doing? But anyways, I feel like a lot of legacy properties have to examine themselves at some point and go, do, how do we want to – who's our audience? Are, are we making this for kids and we're just always reinventing ourselves to stay relevant to the next generation? Or are we going to stick with our original audience and age the show with them? I think that's something you kind of see with Batman, right? Like the old Batman comics were maybe a little more lighthearted in the 50s. And by the time you get to the 80s, they decide, okay, our readers are maybe getting a little older. We should darken the material up. And now we're to the point or when a Batman movie comes out, people are, are getting upset. Like, why can't we just have an R-rated Batman? Which is, again, a little weird because it, it's still ostensibly a program for children. Scooby-Doo is silly enough where it seems weird to say, oh, we can make an adult version of Scooby-Doo. But I also think there's a lot of fans of the property as kids that are now grown up that would be happier with an aged up version of Scooby-Doo. 
And it's interesting to see how the company kind of threads that needle. Like, how do we make this entertaining for the adults that are nostalgic, but not lose children that might grow up with this property as well? I think it's a battle you have with everything from Star Wars to Batman to you name it. You know, anything that's been around for 40, 50 years, you have to somehow find a way to please old and new audiences. Ah, the madness. <laughs> God damn it, Fred. Give her a real suggestion. I do wish the Staffney had hand puppets. <laughs> <laughs> Even better, Fred is micromanaging the situation. <laughs> Why can't we have a Halloween fest? I'm so jealous. It's just in the middle of a cornfield. It wouldn't take much to set up. They've got apples, corn dogs. There's like six stands. This could be done. What happened to Coolsville, by the way? Why Why did it go from like a small, smallish city to it's the middle of nowhere? This is actually Crystal uh, Cove. We're in Kansas now. I believe it is actually Coolsville because they show the Coolsville Penitentiary yeah, later. Cool. Yeah, I mean, wait, hold on. Those, Scooby kills those <laughs> cities could be next to each other. This could this could be like a uh, New York, Gotham, Jersey City kind of thing. Ooh, go balance. This is actually in Coolsville State. Ah, <laughs> I like to think that this is the iteration of Scooby Doo that's in canon with. Uh, the Blair Witch Project parody. <laughs> this is how this ended for this gang. Jesus Christ, his entrails are hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's just filled with so many wonderful visual gags. Throwing up apples for like five <laughs> seconds too long. Pretty good. Uh, the, the fact that Scooby and Shaggy are dressed like pumpkins the entire film. <laughs> it's like they, they turn that into a bit. It's like, we're going to have them wear it so long. It's just their costume. It's not even funny anymore. Yeah. It's just who they are. Or little details. Like we just saw them walking around whistling and you see the whistle notes. <laughs> I, I like that. This is the most big ass pumpkin day. Scooby-Doo movie we ever could have done. And we did Scooby-Doo last year. We did well. This this makes up for us doing a, a non horror film for Big Ass Pumpkin Day, <laughs> and just dragging something that didn't deserve to be dragged. All right, Pumpkin Hole. Yeah, <laughs> I feel bad for Pumpkin Hole. Poor Pumpkin Hole. I think Daphne's just excited here to be helping. She was smiling during this moment of distress. You know, I just assumed Daphne's Daphne was the money girl. She's always oh, she's no. always been she's always been the money girl, right? I got though. I guess Shaggy's also rich. I think Scooby is he like downplays. A dog I think Shaggy's disowned. I, I feel like Shaggy has been disowned by his family. Like he doesn't contact him. He doesn't get any money. That's so sad. Very sad. It's all right. He's he's got his dog. He's happy. He just stops by once a month for the sandwiches. I will say, this is a weird thing to me, because they keep pumping out new Scooby-Doo. I think the various development teams have gotten bored of being all Scooby all the time. So now we have, like, different characters that have been getting a shit ton of development over the past few movies. Like, Fred? Fred is the guy who's getting most of the spotlight. 
We had one recently, I guess, where Shaggy like became a non-coward and went to the Old West. But oh, it yeah. feels like they're putting a lot more effort now into being like, oh, the rest of the gang really needs some personalities. Let's put the time in. The the time they've been putting into Fred is uh, is very welcome. Yes. Fred has had such a bizarre, beautiful transformation <laughs> into a completely different pop culture character. One One problem I have with this, though, Mike, and the writers should really do better. They keep fridging the mystery machine to give Fred character development. <laughs> that is true. They do. They are doing that a lot. Yeah. Right. Like he's in love with this band and then they blow the van up and then he like has to develop as a character. That's classic fridging a hundred percent. And they keep doing it. I guess I'm glad they're not like killing Velma or Daphne or someone to like give him angst, but like, come on, what did the Mr. Machine do to you? They're still yeah. killing his love. Yeah. I would well, give anything. I would give anything to <laughs> God, Great that's joke. hauntingly true to life. <laughs> the elementary right next to the penitentiary? Beautiful. Uh, I would give anything to watch a Scooby-Doo movie where it's it's everything is perfectly formulaic and cliche, but the third act twist is one of them is fucking dropped down. It's like the kooky <laughs> space kook pulls out a pistol and shoots <laughs> Daphne gets blown away. Jesus Christ. So the bad thing about this movie is I think it's, I think it splinters the uh, Scooby-Doo timelines even more. Because every time they go back and be like, oh, hey, here's the original space kook. He's in jail. It creates a separate timeline from all the other Scooby-Doo's in which they brought the space ghost back for like two seconds. (laughs) I think I'd say my only complaint of this movie is about five seconds after this character shows up, like, oh, okay, I know the plot. (laughs) It's not like, not like, oh my God, you know, past Scooby-Doo things have been so, so complex to try to understand, but it would have been nice to like go into the second act without like completely knowing the answer to the mystery already. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I got it right away. Like, it wasn't a total shock to me at the end, but as they start going, you get the ghosts, and you're not sure in this world if they're going to hint that, oh, maybe ghosts could be real. It's too cartoony for you to think that would have any weight, so you just assume they're some sort of super costume. But then you have to wonder, okay, they went to all the trouble of introducing a, a new supervillain character. It'd be weird if she wasn't behind it. But they also make one of the characters have a crush on her, and I feel like they wouldn't go get away with, like, no, she's a thousand percent evil. The whole time. I'm putting too much thought into children's cartoons, is, is what I'm realizing as I keep talking. We take well, he, Scooby-Doo very seriously here on Box Office Pulp. Promo code Box Office Pulp. <laughs> uh, should, Man escaped. You, you do always have the factor with Scooby-Doo of whether or not they're making a character a super obvious suspect because he's a red herring or because they didn't feel like trying this time. <laughs> I'd also say the mystery in this one isn't very important. There, there's some Scooby yeah. where they want you to like get involved with like the clue finding and think about what's going on. Um, oddly, I would say <laughs> Scooby Doo meets the Boo Brothers is one of those where like they really want you to give a shit about the mystery, even though I don't know if it's totally solvable on your own. A lot of like the really first Scooby Doo movies were hardcore mystery films. Yeah. 
Whereas some of the other ones are like, hey, we're, we're kind of here for the jokes and the mystery is just the MacGuffin to tie things together, which is the case here. Like, the yeah, mystery is really, yeah, like the clues don't really matter much. They're not serious about finding the clues. You're supposed to have a good time. Like this little gag about the warden designing his prison too tall for himself. <laughs> Coco Diablo apparently being held in the goddamn bat cave. She has the cell next to Professor Pericles. <laughs> God, that's a beautiful shot. The creeper on the wall. I, I love that. I like to think that's a self-portrait. <laughs> I, I like how we've seen multiple Hannibal Lecter prisons containing Scooby-Doo villains from this franchise. <laughs> I also like the variety of facial expressions in the background. Like, Fred is kind of like, mm, what's happening? Shaggy and Scoob are just pissed off they're there. Like, if you look in the background, they're just like, They're mm. so angry the entire film. Like, right? watch They don't watch want to be here. They just want great. candy. <laughs> like, Fred's a thousand percent into this mystery. Shaggy, no. He's like, fuck this. I don't even give a shit. I don't, I don't care. She killed ten people. It doesn't matter to me. I just want my candy. It gives a surprising amount of rewatchability to this movie that I'm now watching in November well past its expiration date. It also just comes across like they added the extra detail in facial animation exclusively to communicate thirst. <laughs> like, oh, this is the movie where, Ke where Velma's canonically queer. We have to invent new technology to capture lesbian thirst. <laughs> I mean, let's be fair. The Scooby-Doo franchise has historically been one of the more white cartoons out there. They never tried to introduce, like, oh, no, no, here's a new gang member of the gang who's, like, a Latino, or there's a black person, or, like, anyone of color. Uh, last time they tried to introduce um, a character of color, it was the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Yep. And they and didn't do the smoothest job with that. We don't talk about that. <laughs> So the fact that there's some extra representation on the squad now where they're embracing the idea that one of the characters could be gay, that's nice. Get some get some variety in here. And Fred's hey, asexual. <laughs> he no, loves he, his band. A, Fred. Yeah, he's an objectum sexual. He's sexually attracted to the mystery machine. I think he's actually point. he's just a fucking outcast from the movie Crash. Like that that's what happens when this movie <laughs> yeah. is not playing. Oh, He's God. ramming the mystery machine into bogs and just jerking off furiously into the peat. Okay, now I'm imagining Fred played by Elias Kataeus, and it kind of works. <laughs> that tracks way too much. Yeah, like if there was like a like an R-rated Scooby-Doo movie made like 1992. If I can go back I to my original it. point I was making about uh, an R-rated Scooby-Doo, it, it's funny that the fans are kind of demanding it, but... WB doesn't want to get into it so much. So we end up with like knockoffs and spinoff kind of things that fans have done. Uh, you have, was it like Scooby Apocalypse or whatever it is where they, <laughs> there's like an apocalypse yeah. the gang has to survive through as a comic book series. That's I, I think probably the most official, even though I'm sure that's considered some sort of Elseworld. Uh, you have the original Scooby-Doo movie, which James Gunn apparently wrote with an R rating in mind and then had to go back and, and kind of doctor into a family movie. Which always amuses have... me. Like, James Gunn really thought there was a possibility 
Yeah. That could happen. Right. Especially James Gunn at that point where he's basically nobody. I, I'm convinced oh, this cat. I'm convinced Gunn wrote that book, wrote that script as like some kind of attack on someone else. Like, that seems like the kind of script you write because you want the producer to get fired. It's like, oh, just also, wait till they see my Scooby-Doo script. That'll teach these motherfuckers. Uh, and then we also had, I'm looking up the author because I've already forgotten his name, uh, but Meddling Kids, there we go, Edward, uh, Edgar Cantero, which is not the Scooby gang, but close enough in which they have to investigate essentially a Lovecraftian cult. <laughs> so, There's that new web series too, which I've been meaning to check out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it feels funny that they keep trying to kind of adult Scooby-Doo outside of the actual authority figures in the Scooby-Doo franchise. Although, what, we have Mindy Kaling's uh, uh, version coming up. Didn't that do like a screen parody? That is an parody? adult cartoon, that, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, so I guess they're dipping their toes fun. a little bit more seriously into it. Easy, Velma, easy! Daphne teaches her how to do the shoulder grab. Oh, my cat like Velma is uh, very represented in this uh, in this movie. I want to say. Oh, Esteban! I would like to say it's very nice that Velma gets to be adorable the entire film, like Crank to Eleven. This is the Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed plot, but done a little bit more tolerable. <laughs> a lot more tolerable. I love the skull. Yeah, that's great. I love even more that I Fred that. loves his van so much he will not admit that it has died and is just <laughs> hauling its hollowed out husk, this corpse all around Coolsville. Which is a different joke than we usually get, where he just like completely falls apart and panics. Him in complete denial, I think, is uh maybe maybe makes up for it. If we were doing a Frankenstein version of Scooby-Doo, he would 1,000% Victor Frankenstein the situation. He would he would be bringing the body back as many times as possible to try and revive an old love. That, that could be the plot of Frank and Creepy. We don't know. I, I've seen Frank and Creepy. <laughs> of course you have, Cody. Ma'am, don't try to lecture me on Frank and Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was raised by the Frank and Creepy. Moment, it was horrible. Um, Molded by it. I didn't know Scooby-Doo in the WWE Mystery Machine till I was a man. <laughs> These days I'm going to have to watch those WWE movies. I, they're they are, they're kind of fun. They're, they're very silly. But I think as a fan of WWE, you'd probably really appreciate them. I probably don't get a lot of the jokes since I don't watch that much wrestling. Oh, honestly, it may be better that you don't because maybe some of the jokes would piss me off. Maybe. That'd be funnier for me, though. So my experience just keeps that's getting true. better. That's true. Well, that's what we're doing next, obviously. <laughs> Why are we watching these all out of continuity? I want to watch Scooby-Doo meets the Boo Brothers. Well, I, I guess if we're doing it, we're doing chrono chronologically. We have to start back at, like, Scooby-Doo goes, goes Hollywood. There's a different. There's a few different ways we can do it. I really want to watch Ghoul School. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Is there a machete order for Scooby-Doo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, to get the maximum experience of Scooby-Doo, you have to start with a pup named Scooby-Doo, and then once you watch through those four seasons, you move on to Scooby-Doo, where are you? And then from there, I don't know, you, I don't want to put the brain power into actually hacking out what the order of Scooby-Doo should be. 
at least not today. You've done it in the past. I, that's why I don't want to do it again. It was complicated. There's not I actually did. enough continuity between er, uh, series and eras to be like, oh, this definitely came first. They are Unless lovingly animated her, animating her. Oh, they did. <laughs> they want you to be horny for this cartoon. Uh, all of these animators so ecstatic they get to draw cheesecake in a Scooby-Doo release. <laughs> one thing I keep saying, one thing I love, and there's a lot of things I love, and I should just stop using that as a preposition. Mm-hmm. Great design detail in the character Coco Diablo. If you look at all the classic Scoob characters, they all kind of have some accessories to their outfit to keep their silhouette from being too boring. You know, Daphne's got that green scarf and the headband. Fred's got his ascot. But if you look at Coco, she has that measuring tape that's almost acting like suspenders that's permanently around her shoulders. So it adds a little bit of extra character. It speaks, obviously, to what she does, right? Because she's a character, uh, costume designer. But it also makes her feel tied in with the designs of everything else from the classic characters of the show. Yeah, she fits in perfectly. You can tell who she is from her silhouette. Right. And it's not, yeah, it's not just she has on a shirt. But she's got gloves. She's got the boots, the glasses. Like there's, it's it's very chic, and which is a nice detail. If you wanted, if you, when it comes to animation, anytime you want to make a character seem important when you're dealing with uh, like a legacy thing like like this, you use the same design techniques that went into designing the main characters. This is the same basic philosophy, so that way they match, so they still feel like part of the world. Sorry, I want to interrupt. We just saw an old school Scooby-Doo, where are you, Easter egg. The whole gang sits down to look at the book, just like the openings of the show. Also, so I really, really like that skull logos on everything. I, I was about to say, this the spooky section of the library, my favorite part. I wish my library had a spooky section. <laughs> One more thing about the measuring tape on Coco's costume. God damn it. That must be annoying to animate because now there's just a piece of measuring tape flopping around. They have to constantly be animating. There had to be around. a whole team dedicated just to the fucking measuring tape, right? <laughs> Let's it's, like use guy, it's like that one guy who had to animate uh, Ryan Reynolds' neck in Green Lantern. Just wake <laughs> up every day and be like, I'll be back in 12 hours, baby. I gotta go <sighs> work on the measuring tape again. <laughs> back down to the CGI mines. Always a joy in animation when they get sick of one animation style and they find an excuse to be like, how do we switch this up? <laughs> uh, to be serious, though, I do enjoy it. It adds some levity to what you're seeing. Even though the animation style is great, it's very fun when you get a relief of that into something different for just a little while. Even even in something like fucking Harry Potter, we went over this. Uh, in the Deathly Hollows, you know, they have that whole kind of uh, story tale sequence. And we love that, kind of the, the puppets they use for it, the CGI puppets. Here we get this, I don't know what style you describe it as. It's not quite Honestly, Americana. You know what it really reminds me of? It. I feel like, I mean, it's throwback to a lot of um, old art, like old artwork that you'd find in books like that. But it's also very Mignola. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can I see it. I see that. Maybe not in the blockiness of it, but in his references and how he would just fucking litter every pages with skulls. Like if he yeah. he had a uh, like a, a board somewhere, he'd be like, "No, this needs a Jolly Roger on it." Yeah, creepy ghost. 
If someone showed me this still, divorce of all contexts, I would never guess it was a Scooby-Doo. I know. <laughs> That's the kind of shot and perspective you never see in Scooby-Doo. It's fun. It's great. Again, not a complaint that it's different. I think that's a wonderful thing. You can only do so many Scooby-Doo movies before it's like, man, we've fucking seen it all. Give us something new. And even when this one's kind of rehashing old areas, it's doing it in a fresh enough way where you don't care. This is fun. I would like more. We we cannot let this musical choice (laughs) go by without comment. I can't believe this happened. It's amazing it took this long to. <laughs> like we, we, we cannot... Scooby Doo can be laid to rest now. Beautiful. And we got. That's. Thank you, Cody. And oh. we got Daphne dancing to the breakdown part of the song. Uh, uh, the Duck Soup parody. It's like looking into a mirror. <laughs> This is fucking sublime. What a wonderful little haunted mansion joke to throw in there. <laughs> also fucking Rudy's skeleton. I love it so much. Rudy makes me laugh. I don't know why. Uh, you like bones. <laughs> I think it's just the, the idea that... You like bones. Well, yes, I do like bones. <laughs> bones. Um, Bone! It's it's not a Scooby name like like you know it's it's Shaggy and and and, and Scraggly but it's just Scooby <laughs> and Rudy Rudy yeah it's very old time <laughs> Fred is fucking having the time of his life running from this monster <laughs> he's been so bored this is the only time he's alive that's it throughout this entire movie once the mystery starts up Fred's just like this is a good time oh no it's cardio. How'd they get away with the intestines hanging out? I really wonder. I would be so happy. I would be so happy if this was just Scooby Doo now. <laughs> like they just did a, a, a whole live series. Forever! <laughs> like I just want to see us a. a a new series on HBO Max in this style with this sense of humor. I was thinking Columbo style, like every four months you just trot out like another hour and ten minute long special in this style. <laughs> that too. That, that becomes the new Sherlock. <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Very appropriate. The joke yep. of Kid's Corner is just so um, Fred is hunched over because he's too tall. <laughs> and the librarian just always on him. Despite everything else that's happened in this place, I'm mad about this particular incident. Paradise Lost. Oh, found it. Found it. <laughs> you should you should share the plan before enacting it. This is bad leadership. Well, like the X-Men, they all have a low-level telepathic field that has <laughs> an intuitive knowledge of what the other is doing. And those books back there looks like Master Shake. <laughs> There's just a skull on that desk. That seems ominous. He protects the library. 
Also, these uh, these robots are being scolded. <laughs> right. Why is one of them, is it exhaust or is he just farting through his head? You know. Mm. Oh, they actually all have mesothelioma now. Oh, no. It's just the one. It's not all of them doing. It's just the, the shaggy bot. Spoilers, by the way. Spoilers, spoilers. They're robots. Uh, the robots die at the end. Look, the AI can feel shame. Good. That's the only way we'll survive is if we can program shame into the robots. Also, we were talking about the guts hanging out. I'm amazed they got away with half of Reverse Vilma's head being missing. (laughs) Kids these days, they're they're tougher than we were. (laughs) Fred pissed off driving at two miles per hour. (laughs) Every, Every frame of this movie is a perfect meme template. (laughs) <laughs> why is Fred just driving in the wrong lane <laughs> I, was, I, I never I didn't I didn't notice before the visual gag that every every building is a food establishment yeah we passed a barbecue place there yeah it's all food I think I saw a neon sign that just said soda <laughs> uh, no Shag- wonder the economy afloat Yep. Well, here we go. Boutique of Doom. This is definitely not food. There's a, a game co next to it. Uh, Banana splits. I didn't see what the other two were. Oh, was it? <laughs> the other two were food related. <laughs> I assume the oh. banana splits were actually the banana splits. That'd make the most sense to me. Rip off Punisher shirt. I love this character <laughs> so much. <laughs> Just, just once again, Lost Adventure Brothers character. Just everything I want to follow Trevor around. This, this, this makes me so happy. This joke. Trevor looks a thousand percent like the super goth guy I knew in high school, <laughs> who is still super goth. Like he hasn't changed. And I just look at Trevor. I'm like, they just wow. They just copied that guy. You should sue. Sadment. <laughs> I would, I, would appreciate, oh, I would appreciate having this store in my community. I'd be there every day. Right. Like, do you have gelato? Oh, they've got a cool Cane's bucket. Ah! Also, the subtitle, Caterwalls. Beautiful. <laughs> I've not been able to get over the fact Trevor has uh, platform shoes, too. Well, it's tough to tell his height because he towers over one, but he's wearing the giant shoes, but he's also hunched. Thought you'd be <laughs> off your game. That's right. He's shifty. Maybe he's the killer. I would say, yeah, when I first started watching this, I just assumed uh, Trevor was going to be the villain. But then when we got to this point, I'm like, oh no. We're 47 minutes into the movie. Just like when you're watching CSI, you know, like when they come with the first, like the second guy, like it can't be over. They're, they have so much more show to fill. It can't be done. Sounds like you were suffering from goth prejudice, Cody. Uh, it was. <laughs> it's true. Be normal. God damn it. Oh, Jesus. Ugh. That oh, is Ryan Stimpy right there. Oh, he's gooing. He's gooing. Uh. I like that the last the last Scooby Doo Halloween movie was done by Maxwell Adams, but this feels more like a Billy and Mandy episode. 
<laughs> yeah, oh my you know, god, this I guy. Could, yeah. This commentary is ninety percent. It's just laughing because the jokes are still. Fucking this is old. so good. It's just, it's so goddamn good. You, you know, you know how rare it was for such a long time that there was good Scooby Doo movies. Yeah, it's like we said last commentary. There's, there's a funny joke, and then there's a funny, <laughs> there's a funny joke in a Scooby Doo movie, which makes it ten times funnier. I really appreciate the uh, Blade Runner reference. Apparently, that was like enhanced, enhanced. <laughs> it's just a single tear rolling down Trevor's eye. Uh, also, I dig the uh, Batman shirt just because we can legally draw that. Yep, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. No one's going to jail. Scarecrow is in this universe. Okay, question for the group: If you saw a plunger topped with a bat would you buy this for yes. the bathroom yes not even a hesitation I okay. seen. don't even look at the price tag it was my first thought when i was watching this for the first time like you know you could just do this you could just buy like a plastic bat and glue one to it i think i'm plunger. going to you should that's a good idea actually i think a bat would give a good grip to really like get some plunging action going this place actually does remind me of a store that's in maryland mm-hmm <laughs> You guys just have a Goths R Us? Kinda, except above the door isn't like a random werewolf or whatever. It's um the crate from Creep Show, the fluffy hanging out. Oh. Beautiful. God, I, I had like my own Sophie's choice over Halloween because I, I walked into a spirit Halloween and they had the the creep costume. So it was, you know, like his face and his chest, so you could put it on and walk around as the creep but I couldn't bring myself to spend $70 on it. And if I, anyone still was going to spend $70 on it, it'd be you, Cody. I already had a costume. I didn't know what I'd do with it. Plus, the problem is it has uh, the kind of white gauze over the back of the head, the hood, but it doesn't come with enough to cover your whole body. So what are you, mm. you going to do? Like put on a tracksuit well, and then also have the... Then it's, then it's just on the girl wall. Also, it's not a full mask. I should mention this. It's It's like since the back is the gauze... The mask goes over the front of your face and your chest. Uh, so technically, like, uh, it's a three-fourths Oh, that's mask. way that overpriced. Things, yeah. 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 I, I mean, was it was, thinking it was you a just lot were of the creeper when you put that on. Oh, I would I would love it. If it came with the hands, too. There's yeah, a coffee I, shop behind them, a Java place. It might be pizza behind Shaggy. God, the, uh, the, animated my, sunset is so beautiful looking. <laughs> that glow. Oh, it is uh, pizza. I, I had kind of a similar uh, moment of truth whenever I went to, to Spirit a couple of weeks ago, and I only had a, the, enough money for, like, two things. Or I could spend all of my money on the fucking killer clowns from outer space cotton candy gun that lights up and makes all the, all the spinny worry noises. I walked by that thing so many times, like, I, I will never have a costume so for this. I, so that's what you get for a conversation it. piece. That's true. I put it on my mantle. There, it was Once pretty. I thought this was fucking Sisters of Mercy for like <laughs> yeah. five seconds. <laughs> How is this not like a written by uh, Doc Hammer and Jackson Public? <laughs> this definitely feels like a shallow gravy release. 
Trevor just popping in as a vampire to tighten the tires. Shaggy and Scooby crying outside as the sun goes down. <laughs> There's so much They're emotion happening. They're also refusing to this. help, which kills me. <laughs> I can't they would need to go faster. No, they'd be fucking it up. They know this. Also, why do I feel like if this was released in the 80s, it would have charted? <laughs> Dude, I, I would I would totally I would love song. to I I would actually like to listen to this on the regular. This is like right? a legitimately good song. If it's on Spotify, it's going on the like list. Mm-hmm. Look at Daphne also on top of things. She's got the Scooby snacks for the gang. She's got extra glasses because oh man, Velma loses like forty of them a day. What's great is it's not even a joke song. It's just a knockoff sound alike. <laughs> yeah. Like the joke is going through the exact experience you did. Wait, is this? Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> I hope they make another one of these so they do like a parody of LCD sound system next. Just a whole lot of synthesizer bleeps and boops and the same sounding kind of voice. There has been a lot of like this. The music of Scooby-Doo has been oddly kind of diverse over the years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, fucking uh, a pup named Scooby-Doo was all Motown-themed songs. Mm-hmm. And even when they did uh, What's New Scooby-Doo, did they have, like, a house band involved in that? Like, they had yeah. some sort of, like... Well, Simple almost, Plan no. did the fucking opening, which was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they'd have chase music for, like, every episode, which is insane, too. Yeah, they spent bank on what's new Scooby-Doo, because that was a big deal when that thing premiered. Mm-hmm. That got a primetime slot on Cartoon Network show, on Cartoon Network for years after it was canceled, too, so it, it I imagine oh, it yeah. draw, drew serious numbers. Yeah, if the, the new Scooby-Doo show was a big fucking deal at the time. That was kind of unheard of. I'm glad well, there, that people have gone back and like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Well, I think there's a dedicated fan base from when it came out. There, there are kids who grew up with that. Yeah. And it's kind of like Star Wars prequels. You know, in our generation, maybe it's kind of like, eh, I kind of like parts of it. But the next generation is gaga about it. I think the same is true for what's new Scooby-Doo. I think there's a whole mess of kids that grew up with that being their Scooby-Doo is always on. So they watched it all the time. And they can tolerate the old one. But no, man, that's their Scooby-Doo. That's the one they love. They want more like that. Yeah, I, I even poo-pooed it a lot, I think, when it was... When it was on, and I'm, I, I look back and go, no, it was just, it's Scooby-Doo. They're like, there's really nothing yeah. off about it. Yeah, I am not the biggest fan of the animation style. The animation, I, I still, to this day, don't care I think, like, that's that my much. snooty opinion. Like, it wasn't as atmospheric and spooky as original Scooby-Doo, yeah. which is why I love it so much. Uh, the new one is like, eh. It, it did all the same motions and it, it understood the comedy beats and everything. It's entertaining. It's fun, but it doesn't have that cool, creepy look to it. That made me totally fall in love with uh, Scooby-Doo. Where are you? Well, still having Scooby-Doo. Where are you's tone, which I think is what like offset it. Exactly. Yeah. It just doesn't have the same visuals when you can, if you like, I don't expect that from like be cool. Scooby-Doo. No. But that's the tone, but that's the tone of it, and that's why I love Be Cool Scooby Doo. I'm I'm actually a fan of most of the Scooby Doo shows. There, there's only a couple that I'm not super sold on, but most of them I think are pretty fun. Uh, Scooby Doo and the Guess Who is quality. I, I enjoyed the Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo for <laughs> as much as you maybe want to malign that series. 
I I I will stand up for Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo. Flim flam aside. Flim flam, poor flim flam. Yeah, you're right, Jamie. That I think it's the coloring. The brain is the same color as the skin, so it doesn't seem as awful. It's just the the concept of it is so gnarly. Why are like the, the robots playing brain. cards? Are they yeah, actually stay busy. Are they great life? Oh god, the setup for maybe my new favorite after credit scene. <laughs> <laughs> So one thing that really threw me off recently, going back to the voice cast, right? We have Kate uh, Mikuchi as Velma, and she she's been Velma for a long time. She she's done several different series and movies. But Kate was also just in the Cabinet of Curiosities on Netflix from Guillermo del Toro, <laughs> and so watching that segment and not remembering what Kate Mikuchi looked like, you're like, why does this? Why does she seem so familiar? What do I know her from? And then watching a 40-minute segment where this woman is obsessed with a cream that's making her break out in hives before you go, oh my god, it's Velma! <laughs> it's the Velma voice! That's what Velma looks like! So What I love is I primarily knew Kate Micucci from Garfunkel and Oates before yeah. she became Velma, so... She's in I a thousand things. <laughs> I primarily associate that voice with sounding really sweet but saying very foul things. That's why I, with her Velma, I'm always waiting for her to just drop an F-bomb or something. <laughs> I've got... Uh different things I want to talk about, and they're in different directions. So we'll see if I remember to get to the second one. I want to segue. Since I mentioned the Cabinet of Curiosities, I don't know if you've, you guys have, have gone through it yet, but I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, saving it for later in the month, but I am chopping on the bit. Same, right. Yeah, I've been really looking forward to it. There, there's a couple of segments in there that are sublime. Uh, the Autopsy is my number one favorite. Like, that is fucking beautiful. Some of the other ones, the endings a little uh, eh, just because it's a, it's an anthology series where the episodes are under an hour, so it feels like parts are rushed. But boy, when it hits, it fucking hits. So highly recommended, folks at home. Uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, check that shit out. Fucking beautiful. I'd like to see Del Toro produce a Scooby Doo project. Oh my god, yes. Could you imagine the production design, like of the Troll Village from Hellboy Two, applied to the monsters of Scooby Doo? <laughs> He makes them all look like Super Sentai characters. I'd still watch it. The other point I was going to mention is Frank Welker basically made his bread and butter in animation for years, being able to do all the voices for animals. And isn't it funny now that he's just Scooby-Doo and Fred and like most people would kill for either of those roles and he just gets to do them both. (laughs) And he wasn't even the originator. Right? I mean, he's been involved with the series since, like, day one, but it's it's just nuts that they're basically like, yeah, you can just do most of Scooby-Doo yourself. It's going to be really weird whenever he's not Fred. When he retires, it's going to be so sad. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot of adjustment to, to get past it. It's kind of like how Kermit has a new voice, and the Muppets can still be entertaining, but because it's not the same Kermit... I mean, obviously, we've had a couple of Kermits so far... But it's it's not the one I'm used to. It just like Kermit sounds wrong. Something's gone wrong with Kermit. They've abducted Kermit. It's like there's been I, I think like eight fucking bugs buddies, and you can always tell like mm, this one's a little bit different than the last one. 
Yeah. I'm in an off Bugs Bunny. I've uh, I've been watching uh, Sonic Frontiers Let's Plays and just like the the last time I watched anyone play a Sonic game was like Heroes or something. So I'm just like, who's this dude voicing? (laughs) Oh, no, Amy (laughs) needs. I need some chili dogs. Gotta go fast. Uh, Which I'm sure that dude is fine. (laughs) It's just it's very jarring. We were like, oh, yeah, Yeah, if you had heard the others are not most long-running characters are not voiced by the same dude for 60 years. Right. On the other hand, though, look at Matthew Lillard. He just owns Shaggy. Which is it's almost stunt casting, right? Because he took it over due to his live-action role. But it works so well. That's one of the few times where someone else took over the he voice of the character. To it. And you're like, yeah, no, this makes sense. This is almost better than the original. Like, yeah. I have zero problems with him doing the voice of Shaggy. It should have been this way for a long time. It, it's Anytime actually, it's, like, not Shaggy or, or yeah. like, oh, oh, why am I blanking? Oh, my God. The, the original Kasem. voice actor. Yes, thank you. If it's not Casey Keys, if it's not him, you're like, hmm, something, something funny is happening. Even, honestly, he even going so back long. and hearing Casey Kasem, it's good, but it's actually not as good as Lillard. I would, I would like if someone wanted to redub some of the older episodes of Lillard, I would bet you'd probably enjoy them more, which is a shitty thing to say about the dead, but also probably true. They would find his body. When I keep talking about the goddamn dog. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be weird though. Whenever Welker isn't Scoob, just it's not the voice. Because the voice will probably end up matching whoever takes over, and we've heard other good Scooby Doo's actually, but they've done it. Yeah, a it, lot of people have taken Scooby. They've kind of passed the baton until they found some they're comfortable with. Yeah, it's specifically the delivery, though. Yeah, he's like, been so has long a very doing cartoon delivery. animals. Yeah. Let's let's, uh, let's think about this though. We have Woker in this, and he doesn't. I don't think he's doing Esteban, is he? I uh, oh. screwed up on my research. I didn't look that up. But this might be one of the few movies where he doesn't have to just sit around making like cat and like elephant noises and stuff too to pad out <laughs> the whole background of the movie. Oh, God. Um, ironically, the-, the recordings of a cat they used were of Frank Welker. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier today. Like, we, we, I mean, recently, James Earl Jones made news for just signing away the rights to his voice for for a, like any, any kind of like AI sound replication use for Star Wars stuff in the future. Right. Imagine a future where WB just has an AI replicator for all of Frank Welker's roles, like not just the animal stuff, but for things like Scooby that don't like exactly have to sound perfect. God, I hope they don't, but I feel, I feel like that's at least been mentioned in a boardroom at some point. Honestly, Maybe. fucking Welker is so ubiquitous with so much because he's done fucking everything. Yeah. It, it would be a shame for that not to happen, or at least be attempted, because a world without Frank Welker would remove the voices of about 5,000 different characters. Yeah. Well, in this movie alone, I just looked it up. Frank Welker voices Scooby Doo, Fred, Rudy, and Nefario, but he doesn't do <laughs> he doesn't do the cat. Surprisingly, on the other hand, 
going going back to the idea of an AI voice replacement, I don't. They're not to the point yet where they can just flat out make him talk like Darth Vader. Because I, I think you need some amount of inflection in there that AI doesn't quite get to. They they have voice clones, but I don't think they're perfect yet. And for someone like Welker, who is all over the place, like he is really animating with his voice, right? Yeah. I don't I don't think they can get the computer to quite match the intuitive choices that he is making while he's doing this stuff. They yeah, can get that, the that's tone a- right, but I don't I don't think they could get the diction that's, or inflection um, the same. I think the interesting difference um it's like listening to vader in obi-wan where it's it's earl's voice with the um, the ai system but it's pretty much the delivery of hayden christensen yeah well it kind of works too because a lot of times take christensen's voice recorded over with the ai and use them kind of mishmash together yeah which that's, works pretty that's well. how they kind that of really make works. it yeah and, that, and that's why also you don't really notice the ai at all with luke because it's specifically Mark Hamill's performance that the AI is then replicating the voice of. So it matches perfectly. So, right. But when it's Christensen it, and it's no like fault or it doesn't, it's not necessarily lower quality or anything because it's not James Earl Jones's performance, but there is going to be a difference because they are going to play it differently. Yeah. Small weird aside. I went to a nerd night a couple of weeks ago where there was uh, a, I'm forgetting the term for this profession. Uh, in court, you know, there's someone who's taking down the entire transcript. Stenographer. The stenographer. Thank you. Uh, and uh, this woman was talking about her job and how AI can't quite replace her, even though you think like, oh, man, if you upload a video to YouTube, it can essentially write down what people are saying. But it's not the same. And she was explaining, like, in her job, how bad AI is with names. Like, they'll just to- totally botch a name. And in a legal record, that's really important. Uh, but AI also doesn't do punctuation, which is surprisingly yeah. important to the record. So she's listening to the record live and needs to make it reflect reality. So in three months, if there's an appeal, someone reads through this transcript, they can accurately describe what's happening. And she can even put in like little notes if she wants to herself about like arm movements, although normally it's just the, the vocal record. So it's one of those weird things where you assume like, oh, yeah, a computer could do that. And then when you get down to practicality, it's like, oh, no, it can't. It's it's really not even close. Mike was gainfully employed for a little while due to AI's inability to properly write transcripts. I've had to go over a- AI transcripts before uh, to correct them. It, it, it just AI transcripts just do most of the work for you, so you can just then go back over it. It's not yeah. really done specifically for like. You press a button, the AI transcribes it, and then you're done. It's really just to help you out so you have less to type. Yeah. And watching a stenographer like, show how to use a machine in person, it's astounding because they're not typing letters or typing sounds. So they have a little keyboard that strokes. Let's say you're saying machine. There's like an mmm button they would hit to replicate the mmm noise. And so they can they can condense words down to like two sounds instead of all the little vowels and consonants that are written inside of there. And then later so on, they can transcribe that into pure English. But they also have programs that can take like their their slapdash cheat words and, and combine them into real words. So it's a crazy watching someone being able to type like 250 words per minute <laughs> in what looks like gibberish when you're looking on the screen and then have it just a moment or two later come out to actual perfect English. That's a it goes over my head the same way shorthand does. 
By the way, Apparently fucking it's Daphne like, is uh, Kooky yeah. Space Kooky. I love that design so much. I really hope they release an action figure of all of them. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, apparently it's like a two year educational program to be wow. good enough to actually pass your tests to become a stenographer. But if you're into it, you can make a pretty lucrative career off of, uh, stenography. So shout out to anyone who's looking for a job and has two years to spend getting good at it. You yeah, also then have to sit in on trials, <laughs> typing up every single thing that's said. So it's like a yeah. really trade. It's a trade off. It's like how much money you can make being in like antarctica for a year <sighs> i've got a couple things i want to say one esteban slowly chasing after this man like it fucking <laughs> follows as he allergically sneezes his way across the screen is fantastic two <laughs> court can be pretty interesting uh, you never know I mean, like yes, what some person's gonna say so occasionally you rarely. get like some pretty juicy stuff that comes through or things that are funny or just like what the fuck am i listening to every now and then you get the rick and morty trial yeah. And besides, it's not just court. You can use stenography for actually typing out uh, live broadcasts. So if, if there's like a baseball game going on, they need someone to provide the subtitles. Essentially, stenography would be able to allow you to transcribe that in real time. Wow. Baseball game or traffic court. I don't know what's more <laughs> exciting. Hey, those old people are going to need to read what happened in the baseball game the next day. Hey, if you're in a bar where they have the sound off so someone can play the jukebox, you need to know what they're announcing the penalties are. <laughs> you're out there doing the Lord's work. It's important stuff. How many times have you tried to watch a sporting event but the sound's off? It's awful. God, he still has um, his fez. Right. I need to – I got to pause this and figure out like which ghost they actually use for this because I'm pretty sure every one of those is actually a character reference to the original Scooby-Doo Where Are You series. Honestly, the 10,000 volt ghost costume, whenever it's not on, always looks like a Spider-Man villain to me. He looks <laughs> like like looks fucking like Cobra stuff. Commander or something. Looks cooler than the actual ghost. Yeah, the real ghosts are kind of like the glowing yellow or orange cotton candy man. Eh. I mean, didn't we see a ghost almost exactly like that in the second Scooby-Doo movie? There was a cotton candy ghost in Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. Uh, I don't remember if they included the 10,000 volt ghost or not. I know they had I the knight, I they had the zombie, they had the goo monster, they had the skeleton twins, the pterodactyl, uh, Captain Cutler. But I don't remember if the 10,000 volt ghost was actually you. Yeah, 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 it was. Because uh, I remember there's like some zapping bits, but I don't think it's like the same design. Oh this no! Is a very odd joke. <laughs> it was it was a weird way to have this character just roll off into the sunset. <laughs> Everyone's still in one giant rope as they enter the bus, one step at a time. So we've kind of uh, like made jokes like and stuff around this the whole commentary, but I would like really like to stop and say this. All the stuff with uh, Velma and Diablo is done so well, in my opinion. Like, this is how yeah. you actually pull off doing something big. Like, you don't make a big deal out of it. The fact that... No one gives a shit that it's it's a, it's a gay relationship. It's just, they would treat it the same as if it was, you know, a heterosexual relationship. 
Yeah, it, with children's stuff, it's always better to just do it Steven Universe style, where you just treat it like that's already in a normal part of the universe and does not need to be brought up. Yeah, right? there's that, no that one who's a like a bigot soft is like, ah, you kids, you same-sex kids. No one gives a shit. Which I think is the, the thing that makes it work. Like, it doesn't feel awkward because they're just flowing with the natural awkwardness of trying to date anyone is very goddamn hard. <laughs> and I am infinitely grateful that there's not really a joke made at Velma's expense. Uh, it, well, it, in terms of, there is in terms of her, like, being awkward, but th- there were a lot that's of opportunities. That's how she yeah. is. Yeah, that's just a, a relation. Op- yeah, that's just awkward relationship joke. Yeah, because... I'm very fascinated by how the running gag in pop culture of Velma being a lesbian has gone from, like, somewhat of a derisive joke to something that was much more uh, affectionate, to something that's actually come to kind of mean a lot to people in the gay community. Like, she's she's kind of one of our own unofficially, and now officially. It reminds yeah, I'd say she's me, kind of iconography. Uh, it reminds me of one of my, like, one of the few nice stories I've seen on Twitter over the past couple of years when uh, Frank Oz was asked point blank by somebody if Bert and Ernie were ever meant to be gay. And initially, Oz was, God, I love this joke. <laughs> initially, Oz. <laughs> I love how Such an up, up and away to end this fucking movie. <laughs> it really fucking is. There's a monster that's, in the well that's apparently driving people to insanity. We, yeah, we get Lovecraftian at the end. <laughs> Sorry, Jamie, you were making a salient point, and then we interrupted by the fact that we had to laugh like fucking... <laughs> no, it's... it's. I don't think I would have been able to speak through that scene. I hope there's a direct sequel and that's not acknowledged. But... <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, somebody had asked Frank Oz point blank if Bert and Ernie were ever meant to be gay, if that was like like a something they had talked about while working at the show or anything. And Oz was initially very defensive about this and got himself like into a brief bit of trouble by going, no, 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 Bert and Ernie have never been gay. That was not on anyone's minds. I'm so sick. They're the straightest couple anyone's ever seen. I am so sick of having to hear that all the time because that was a show for children. We were trying to do something nice. People had initially uh, took that as homophobic, but whenever people started talking to him about how much Bert and Ernie actually meant to them growing up as what they, as kids, read as a gay couple, he realized, oh, I... I, I was just sick of people making the derisive joke that they were gay and therefore they were lame and stupid. But now that I know that people actually love that Bert and Ernie are gay, sure, yeah, they're they're absolutely gay. I'm glad we <laughs> accidentally gave that to some people. That was sorely needed. It's like, yeah, right on. <laughs> Sometimes right, right. pop culture go. just takes things. It takes things that were initially not meant to be very nice and just through cultural osmosis and that's kind of stuff just being around for so long it becomes accepted as just how we read these characters the fact that it was initially a joke just gets lost yeah well especially to kids who will hear the joke secondhand but maybe don't like get that it's a joke and they don't really have the 
the cultural hatred, let's say, to make it a joke. So they just watch it with that in their head. So when they see that and it has an effect on them, the the negative side of it never it just it never comes into the equation. I would like to point out I just saw the song credits, total change of subject. It was the same guy who did the Scooby Doo I'm So Blue song that did the change song. So that man's a genius. Like wrote wrote and sang both of those, apparently. Like, holy cow. The range. All right, here it comes. Here it comes. The post-credit scene, I didn't understand the first time I watched this because I, I wasn't connecting the dots. <laughs> Real question. Is this an indictment from WB about the state of Marvel movies? More at 11. The balls of this. This costs money. This is animation. <laughs> Okay, so we have, like, three background paintings, and then the treats are animated. <laughs> it's not that expensive. Get it, folks? It's the fact that it's... Like, all the animation in this movie is so lovingly done. The fact that the bag just falls straight vertically down. Yeah. <laughs> Stonk! Well, there we have it, folks. It's time for everyone to now join us as we do another commentary for the Scoob and the Stone. Yeah, no, we're actually Look, we're not we're not, honestly, we're not immediately going to another commentary. This that seriously though, uh, if left to our own devices, we would just do a run in without getting up, without even emptying our bladder, just walk, go to another Scooby Doo movie. Scooby Doo Camp Scare is pretty fun. I'm going to say that now because it's on the like the next next of list. Is the Legend of the Phantasaur good? Eh, it's not my favorite. Pirates Ahoy? Again, not my favorite. Curse of the Lake Monster? That one has some fun animation. I, if I remember right, it has a really cool like intro scene. It's live action. Oh, no. Okay, so this is like the, the prequel Scooby-Doo live action one. That one's yeah. bad. Sorry, Blue I was thinking Monster of Monster Madness? One. That one's okay. It feels, it feels like a... Haunted Holidays, I believe, is a collection of Scooby... What's new Scooby-Doo oh. specials? Music um, of the Vampire? Eh, it's weird to have a Scooby-Doo musical, I'll say that much. A lot of these, though, are basically just longer episodes of Scooby. what's new Scooby-Doo. So if you like those, then you're going to like like Moon Madness or whatever the fuck that one's called. Uh, you're you're going to like some of those other ones. Spooky Scarecrow? I believe that's also a uh, what's new Scooby-Doo special. So I could be wrong. Scoop? That one is one of the newer ones. Doesn't feel like a what's new Scooby-Doo. Not my personal favorite. A new miniseries to solve. Well, there's one episode. Oh, okay. So I clicked on the Scarecrow one, and it leads to What's New Scooby-Doo. So yeah, I guess that's just like a special episode. I was fooled. Yep. You know, we really don't talk enough about the time Robbie Amell and Haley Kiyoko were Fred and Velma in a live-action Scooby-Doo prequel pilot movie. I don't think they like <laughs> to talk about it either. Nah. I'm glad that there was life after that. Sorry, it just, like, the more like this section eventually turns into Arthur Christmas. Which I'm confused. Oh, you there's that like, too? That was yeah, weird. there's like 400 Scooby-Doo things I could recommend. They're like, yeah, what about Arthur Christmas? No, give me Shaggy Showdown. And hey, if your balls are shaggy, <laughs> then I'd recommend heading to manscaped.com. Check out using code BOXOFFICEPULP for 20% off and free shipping. 
whatever you order. Why the fuck didn't you lead with that? How long have you been holding that one back, Mike? Two days. <laughs> fuck you. That should have been the opening. I wanted to save it for the end. Fuck off. All right, folks. This has been Box Office Pulp. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. Jesus, fuck, fuck you, Mike. What the fuck? You had, <laughs> we actually had a good segue for once into the fucking ad read, and you didn't use it? You let us spend, like, five minutes being like, I don't know, I like to find on my balls when I use their oils. I wanted to save it for the end. <laughs> Put the end better. Is that the only God. reason we're doing a Scooby-Doo commentary, Mike? Is this the only reason you went for Manscaped for the sponsorship? <laughs> Was this? Did you put the two to two together? Yeah, whip it, whip it good. Brown, I've been getting high the whole time. I'm just like inserting the nozzle <laughs> in my nose. And... Kids at home, don't do that. It's awful. It, like you can die. Oh, better cut the recorder before we're legally liable. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. This is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production. Now please, 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 put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight. And now, on with the show.